0: Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I am the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today I feel very fortunate because I have Richard Castleberry on with me. Richard is the director of the full-time MBA and MS Business Programs at the University of Texas a and Mays Business School. And I'm excited today to talk to Richard just to what's going on in business school right now and really to dig into um, his journey and all the things that him and his staff have been working hard over, over the past few months Uh, to get ready for this uh, MBA uh, season, if you will, and just getting a little bit more insight into that. Um, You know, Richard is very prolific on LinkedIn. And I actually, that's where I connected with him because he was doing a really great job of sharing all the things that were going on at at Maze. And I'm excited to dig in a little bit more to talk to him about some of that today. So Richard, thank you so much for joining me. And I guess the first question I'd love to ask you on the MBA Insider Podcast is just a warm-up question. Um, You know, I know we're all probably you know, have our own kind of books or podcasts or things we're watching on Netflix or Hulu, you know, particularly in these times when we have the time to do that. So I'm just curious, you know, what are you listening to or what are you reading or what are you watching as of late? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Alex. It's great to connect uh, with you and to participate
1: in your podcast. Um, honestly, like, so I, I'm, I'm one of the few that actually have quite a drive in and out of work, Um, when I do go to the university these days, because obviously, you know, a lot of us are working from home. Um, So I've got like an hour and a half commute each way. Um, Even though I work in College Station, and I love College Station, um, I love living in the Woodlands, um, which is about a half hour from Houston. So in my drive back and forth, I I find myself more than anything on um, SiriusXM, and I'm listening to usually CNN. I just... It's it's mainly because I want to be kept abreast all the time of what's going on with like you know just the whole pandemic, listening to the scientists and what they're saying, and just um, you know just getting a getting a good feel of what's happening out there. Um, of course, I do also enjoy though during the commercials to tune into ESPN Radio or of course the Met Opera. I'm a big opera guy. Oh, great uh, yeah. classical
0: music. So yeah, that's where I find most of my time. Well, that's great. Uh, that's that's fantastic, so maybe just to start richard um share with us a little bit of you know your background. I know you 've been at uh, a m for a couple years now, but um tell us a little bit about you know who you are and, and where else you 've been in your career
1: sure well, so growing up i mean i was I was an air Force brat, so lived all over the place you know based on my father and and so forth and I think I had that bug out of my out of my total family's five kids and And mom and dad, um, I I guess more than any of them, I had that bug to kind of keep traveling and so forth. So um, did basically the corporate world for a number of years, kind of in the finance industry, the Hollywood for a while, um, and the stock market industry. Well, stock market, real estate, and then, of course, um, you know, the the Hollywood for a bit. Um, Before I finally decided, it was one of those things, you know, actually it was way back in my MBA program. I had a mentor, he was a professor in marketing, and I just, you know, he really kind of made me think, wow, wouldn't it be cool to kind of give back and kind of do the teaching thing and so forth? So that's kind of what got me into education, and that, go, that was back in 2003. I started looking for, and this is, you know, still quite early on in the, in the internet world, um, I started looking at, you know, places that taught in English, and I had always wanted to live in Europe, Um, so I actually found a school in Croatia, of all places, that taught business, and it was taught in English. I pretty much just kind of gave up everything that I had in the U.S. to go try that for a semester, liked it a lot, made the right connections, and actually fell into a teaching gig um, that actually brought me to Kosovo, Um, so I, I was teaching for the Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT Kosovo, for seven years at their affiliated campus in Kosovo. Um, and that, you know, at, just like anything else, right, Al, you start getting itchy, you start thinking of what's, you know, what's next. And it led me to um, become the Assistant Dean of Marketing at the Graduate School of Business in Kazakhstan, of all places. So prior to joining a and in basically in early January beginning of January 2019 so I've been at a and now for more than a year and a half prior to that I was living abroad for 14 years um, and you know it, it allowed me to develop one of the most just comprehensive networks you can imagine globally um, and it's it's obviously it's helped me out with my current role too what I'm doing
0: that's great. Thank you for sharing so much about your background. And I want to dig into it further, but I want to just make a point. I, um, I actually, uh, I know RIT very well. I grew up in Rochester, New York. Um, I re- literally remember going to RIT basketball camp, uh, summer camp, uh, when I was a kid. So uh, I did not know that they had a MBA program uh, overseas uh, or a campus overseas. So that is, uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, they actually,
1: have, they actually have a couple campuses overseas. They have one now in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in Dubai. And then of course the one in Kosovo and one in Croatia. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I taught at their affiliated one in Kosovo and it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I actually spent like a month in that whole area, uh, Henrietta and that whole area there. In oh, yeah, yeah So talking, uh, that's, that's quite
0: world. cool. Yeah. Too funny. Okay. So you, uh, of course the, so you, you come over from overseas, um, you make it to, you make it to a you make it to Maze. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about Maze. Um, what are some of the things we should know about the MBA program at Maze um, that perhaps, you know, we wouldn't be able to see just by looking at your website? You know, tell us a little bit more about it. Sure. So, I mean, with with both programs, I mean, if we just talk about
1: Maze in general, the one thing that absolutely stands out, and you're not going to get it unless you actually go experience it for yourself, is the culture. I mean, it is truly one of the most unique and special cultures you've ever sort of been a part of. Um, it's incredibly collaborative. Um, I mean from the moment you hit college station and you arrive at the AM campus, everyone is, you know, willing to lend a hand, help you however they can. Um, within the MBA program, it is incredibly collaborative as well where, where most, you know, top MBA programs are, are incredibly competitive and, you know, sort of, you know, to, to a fault. Um, I would say the A&M program, uh, you know, the Mays MBA, of course, like any of them, it's going to be competitive, but it's competitive in a very healthy way. And genuinely, all of the participants are really always trying to help each other. And, and I'll tell you where this comes from. This absolutely comes from the Aggie core values. So respect, excellence, leadership, loyalty, integrity, and selfless service. Um, and I'm telling you, when we look at candidates and who, who are going to be in our programs, this is at the forefront. We, we want, obviously, students that are good, good quality students. We want you know, students that have you know, the academics and so forth. And, and from the, with regards to the MBA, of course, we're looking for ones that we, we know we're confident we can get good you know, help with employment and things like that. But as well, we really want good people in our program. And that's really what we're looking for, um, you know, when we, when we recruit and, and so forth.
0: Yeah. And I <clears throat> one of the things that stuck out to what you're just saying is that um, when you talk about the Aggie core values, and I think that core values are such a good driving factor in terms of being able to create that culture in the community that you mentioned. And in terms of not only sh- telling people this is what, this is what we stand for, but just making sure that there's examples of what those things are. So people model those behaviors too. Um, And I think, I think that's something that I think is really critical. And I think that is really great. Um, I am biased in that. I really love smaller programs um, because I do think that sometimes it's, it's much um, uh, it's, it's you have the ability to shape the culture in that kind of way. Right. Because I do sometimes think, you know, it's easier when um, you see great behaviors in a smaller co- culture to understand, oh, that's what I need to do too. And perhaps, you know, if you are someone who is deviating from that, um, you stand out a little bit more, right? You can't, you can't hide amongst the crowd, if you will. So uh, that was something that resonated with me, at least when you were talking about it.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. And I mean, and and then, and then it's very clear, you know, who the, who the weak links are and, and you don't want to be that person. I mean, yeah. full, you know, you, 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 you know, and, and I think that's really important. The other thing I will tell you from from a, from a staff and faculty perspective, it is truly always about adding value. We are I'm telling you, if you walk through the MBA program's office, it is it, it literally permeates throughout the office. We are always looking at ways in which we can improve. I mean, it, we are just never satisfied with the status quo. So it's always about you know how can we add value? how can we give our students, in a sense, the biggest bang for the buck, and so forth. And that really permeates throughout the whole,
0: well, throughout the whole Mays Business School, but I can speak specifically about the graduate programs office. Absolutely. Um, You know, perhaps something that also sticks out to me, and I'm curious uh, if you could share more about this. Um, You have a smaller program and the small culture within the graduate programs, which I think is great, but um, to me, AM is one of the biggest, uh, you know, institutions, uh, you know, uh, university or public inst- ed- higher education institutions, um, and there's surely a vast amount of resources and branding as well as support, you know, that comes from it. And so I'm curious if there's also kind of the ability to to play big, but also to play small, right? So play small in terms of the community they've created with graduate business programs, but you still also have the incredible umbrella of broader A&M and, and all of that network too. Is that, is that fair to assume? You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Aggie network,
1: it's, it's one of the most sort of world renowned and famous and, you know, uh, you know, kind of the most powerful networks there are out there because I mean, it's, it's, it's so funny. I mean, so when you graduate from, you know, A&M, it's, you know, the ring is a huge part of the culture at Uh, the Aggie ring. And it's so amazing how you can be in different parts of the world. And if you've got that ring and someone sees it and they know about the Aggie ring or they went to A&M, it's immediate connection. So there is, yes, you're absolutely right. There's the Aggie network, which is, you know, across all of a and and you are right. It's one of the, if I think it's actually now based on enrollment, it's the largest public university in the United States. And then, of course, there's the Mays Business School Network as well. Um, but um, it is unique in the sense that we are a smaller program, yet we've got that, you know, that horsepower behind us, you know, and what is, in a sense, the Aggie Network.
0: So true. Well, that's great. Uh, and, you know, one more question for you on this, and because you've done a really great job of talking about your experience abroad, but now obviously being at a and i A&M, I'm just curious from your experiences in graduate business programs abroad versus in the United States. Could you maybe share a little bit about perhaps some similarities or maybe some, some uniqueness of, of, uh, of both aspects?
1: Well, so, so I'm going to speak, I'll speak specifically about a and because I haven't had a lot of like, you know, from a work experience standpoint, working in business schools here in the United States, I can tell you from working abroad that, There's definitely, um, let's say it's, and maybe this is just, you know, innate in the kinds of programs, you know, being, being a a program abroad, you it's, it's like a known thing that like, you know, doing things international is the only way to go. Right. I mean, that's the way you, you know, you do things when you're, you know, in Kosovo or in Kazakhstan. I mean, you just, you know, you're constantly looking for, you know, partnerships and ways in which, you know, you can attract uh, let's say international students and vice versa and so forth um, whereas I think in the u s at least again at a m one of the things i felt uh immediately arriving at, at May's was sort of the need to let's say bring a, a a bigger like a bigger global perspective to the program to you know i mean it's just I think, and I think this is, this is not abnormal. It's not to say, believe me when I say, we absolutely want international students, we're absolutely going for international students, but I think still, there's still a desire to, you know, to kind of take the global perspective to another level. Um, and certainly that's been one of the things I've wanted to do, like with my special guest speaker series and things like that. I've wanted to try to bring more, global perspectives to that to our students so that they understand and that and that is all, of course you know the purpose of doing international business field trips and study abroads and things like that right you want to make sure the students not just understand how business is done outside the united states but the fact that cultures are different they do things differently and it helps us being here in the us it helps us have a broader, you know, perspective and a more open mind. I think that is just so incredibly important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really great, a really great breakdown for us. Um, So I want to switch gears for a second and start talking about these past few months, because I think for all of us in the world, it's been definitely a challenging time. I I know it's a trite expression by now, but it's certainly not less true. And so, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about What have the past few months been like, you know, for you, you know, in terms of your role, the director of the full-time program and MS programs, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, what you've had to go through, perhaps, you know, what's going on in your head or some of the decisions you've had to make, some of which I presume you've never had to really even think about some of these things, you know, before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been quite unique. So a couple things, first of all, the, the MS business
1: program begins at the beginning of June. So this was, you know, well ahead of when, you know, uh, programs were gonna be coming back to campus for fall. Um, the MS Business program starts like literally like the first day of June. So to give you an idea, um, in that particular program, it was very much, you know, talking with the students, talking, in and remember the MS Business program, the majority of those students come straight from undergraduate. So in, in many cases, it was even talking to the parents. And letting them know, look, this program will be starting completely online. The plan was, you know, from the beginning that in the fall, at some point, we were gonna be in person and online. That's where we're at now. So, with the full time MBA, which starts in the middle of July, we also were communicating to them that the program was gonna start online but that we were going to be, I think our date was, uh, you know, uh, uh, I believe it was August 19th, I think was the first day of in-person classes. So it was very much communicating. I think communication has been the most important factor throughout this whole last two, three months, because, you know, it's, it's about reassuring students. It's about making sure they understand, look, you know, setting expectations, making sure, hey, you know, we're going to try to deliver the 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 high quality program we promised, um, but understand that there will be hiccups, there will be things along the way that sometimes in some cases they may be completely out of our control, right? Because obviously you've got the pandemic, you've got certain restrictions, certain guidelines that continue to come down you know, weekly. So for us, I think that was the biggest issue. and And then it was of course, obviously putting the plan into action so that we made sure on August 19th, like we said, all of our classes were going to be able to be offered in person safely as well as online for those that didn't feel comfortable being in person so that's where we're at now our students are currently be, being being in person for those that want to and also online for those that 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 you know that want to be online so the the trick here al is that of course you may know this but boy it's one thing to be teaching completely online It's one thing to be teaching completely in person, and it's a whole other thing to be teaching both at the same time. And that's where kind of the struggle has been for, like, the last three weeks is making sure, maybe even the last four weeks, making
0: sure that all of that runs smoothly. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely appreciate the challenge that uh, that must um, put to you and other professors and administrators and the like. I'm curious, how how do you even begin to sort through that, right? Like, how do you, like... Like what's the process for even figuring out um, what to do, particularly when there isn't really a, a playbook, if you will, or like. A, so a couple
1: like, things. I think again, I think so. So some of this was way before four weeks. I mean, we started planning, for example, for our MBA classrooms. We started planning, like from a technology standpoint, back in like May. Um, and so you know, it was it was again. I think a lot of it was about communications because we needed to make sure our faculty were as comfortable as possible. Um, knowing that they were going to have to deliver it in person safely with a mask or with a shield behind a plexiglass and at the same time they were going to be delivering that same lesson with on zoom so it was it, it was you know then you had to manage the technology like things like microphones in the classroom microphones on the on the you know on the zoom so that You know, there wasn't going to be this crazy feedback over the, you know, the sound system. It was all these little nuances. So honestly, I think the the, sort of the million dollar answer to your question is, is a lot of planning, a lot of practice. And of course, again, a lot of good communications, you know, among the faculty, the staff and the
0: students. Sure. So one of the, one of the, I would love to know, you know, how is, you know, how has it been so far? You know, what, what's kind of the initial round of feedback that you've gotten from, professors and faculty as well as from students from that matter? So I think I think overall, the feedback's been quite good. Um, as you could expect, and as I
1: would have expected, there's of course been hiccups um, where, you know, let's say, for example, some of the Zoomers weren't able to perfectly hear the students in the classroom. And again, you know, you want, especially in an MBA classroom, right, you want that good classroom discussion. You want to have that, you know, interaction, that engagement. It's not just lecture. It's a lot of you know in-class discussion and all that so you know so what we've tried to do of course as as staff leading the programs office it's been very much like okay hey you know this isn't working so well so what can we do to make it work better and it's been it's been honestly it's been you know purchasing new microphones it's been a lot of like just you know back and forth just trying to sort through what those hiccups are um, if we needed to hook up a laptop so the faculty could also see zoomers on the various screens you know, it's been a lot of different troubleshooting, I would say, um, but overall, I'm, I'm quite pleased with, you know, the way in which the faculty have felt, you know, pretty comfortable, they've gotten, they've gotten used to it, the students um, have had, I think, a pretty solid experience given the circumstances, um, you know, it, it's really been, I guess if I was to put it in a nutshell, it's really been about two things, it's been about, uh, about the quality of the, of the progr- you know, the, of the classes, and the safety, of course, of everyone. Those two things have been our priorities, quality and safety throughout this whole thing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think those are two really great priorities to have. So, um, you know, I, I, obviously things are evolving and things are changing and you are adapting and evolving to it. But as you look forward, uh, we're shooting this in, you know end of August, what are you excited about or for the rest of the year? Um, you know, what, you know, what are some things that you think are, you know, what, like, yeah, I'm optimistic or that I'm really excited about that are going to potentially happen?
1: Well, I think from a, from a day to day perspective, from like, a you know, just, I think, you know, students are going to start, you know, getting a bit more, you know, um, because I think if we look at where students thinking is now versus where it was back in the spring, they've become a, a lot more accustomed to Zoom classes and things like that, which, honestly, I mean, online classes have come so far from the early days where, you know, you'd post, you'd post a lesson on, you know, you know, some, you know, blackboard or whatever, and the students would view or they would, you know, just go over the materials. I mean, it was, you know, it was just, it was so much more asynchronous and it wasn't, it just wasn't as dynamic as it is now. So there's that element. And I think that's going to continue to be the case, even with the hybrid, you know, Um, some students will choose, hey, you know what, I think, you know, online is better for me and you know they'll 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 be good with that. Or or um, you know, my hope is certainly is that you know people will feel more comfortable, you know, in the classroom, they'll feel safe, they'll feel good about, you know, how things are going in, in that respect. I will tell you though, from my perspective, especially in this period, the most important thing I think we as directors, as leaders of the programs can do is you know, find creative ways in which we can add value, things outside of just the day-to-day courses. So, and I'll tell you why. Mostly because, look, we are still, for the most part, we are still very much living in a virtual world at the moment. We're not doing a ton of stuff. We're not. I mean, most people, right? I mean, most safe people are not going out, you know, like they were before. So, we're always, we're all, I think we're all in some ways looking for different sources of entertainment, things like that. And so what I would tell you is, is I would say like, for example, um, you know, the, when I launched the, the, the full-time MBA at MS Business special guest speaker series back when this whole COVID thing started, I'm telling you, this has been such an amazing like series. We are bringing in, I mean, I'm, I've been successful, thank God, with the help of my incredible um, network around the globe. They've been so grateful of sharing an hour of their time once a week, these various people. Um, It's been a great source, I think, of entertainment for our students, for our former students to do something a bit different than, you know, the everyday class. Um, You know, it's been a, a chance for them to just hop on the Zoom and talk with people like General David Petraeus, Admiral William McRaven, you know, Susan Packard. I mean, these top people in industry and, you know. Um, and it's, I think it's been a nice, a nice outlet for them.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I've, uh, that was how I connected with you because I saw some of the amazing speakers that you, you brought. And I, I think that's fantastic. I guess maybe my last question here before we wrap up and I would love to just get your advice. Um, uh, I'll have a lot of list, a lot of listeners uh, on my podcast are, are current students, um, who are. Um, they're still adapting to the, the virtual, you know, MBA. And so I'm just curious if you have any advice, particularly to current students about how they can think about, you know, making the, the best of the situation and really getting the most out of this, um, uh, you know, because it is a little different uh, for many of them. That's a
1: great question, Al. And, and you know, again, sort of one of these like value add things that we put into the program a year ago um, are what we call, we refer to them as Impact Fridays, So our students typically go to go to class Monday through Thursday. So usually their Fridays typically are reserved for like career management activities um, or other, you know, value add workshops, things like that. A week ago I had for my MS business students, I had a value add. It was, it was actually a soft skills workshop. It was the first one we've done in soft skills because most of the time those are technical skill workshops Two weeks ago, for example, I had one for the full-time MBA program that was on Advanced Excel. This one that I did for MS Business a week ago was on networking, but in particular, networking in a virtual world. Because as you well know, it's a whole other animal trying to network on Zoom and things like this. I would give, for advice that I would give, it would be a couple things. It would be, because I, I preach this up and down the street every day the more networking you can do, right. Meeting new people, you know, um, you know, if there's, if there's opportunities to do, you know, various workshops or, or let's say zoom sessions or, you know, ways in which you can connect with industry, with employers, with, I would be going, you know, the extra mile to do a lot of that, because I think, especially when it comes to career services and let's say, for example, people that are in, you know, MBA programs and they're looking for you know, they're starting right now, they're hardcore on their internship search for next year, I would say, you know, do what you personally can do as well, not just relying on the career management center, but do what you can do on your own, on LinkedIn, on things like that. Um, I think that's going to be important. The other part of it is, of course, trying to do what you can to make yourself more marketable. So again, things like, you know, you know, add a technical skill, you know, take up, you know, there's so much you can be doing online these days. And I see a number of people doing this, um, where they've done some sort of LinkedIn learning, they've gotten a certificate in a particular area, all these kinds of things are going to make you more marketable, they're going to make you stand out. And basically, they're going to be addressing important skill sets that employers are looking for. And I got to tell you, when we're when we're planning these like impact Friday events, these technical workshops, This is exactly what we're looking at. We're looking at, you know, can we get our students, you know, um, uh, tableau skills, uh, a power BI, whatever it might be that we think and we know employers are looking for. That's the kind of stuff we want to make sure our students are getting those skills so they can get on their resume so that, you know, they they know those things because we
0: know employers are looking for. Right. And I think to the, the takeaway I have from you is that, uh, pandemic or not, now business school is a great time to learn and grow. And you may be doing it in different ways than you would have thought, but it's still important to do it. So, um, you yeah. you, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head. And, and, it, and
1: in particular, right, um, we know uh, right now job market's not the best market. Um, six months ago it wasn't the best market or, you know, right when the pandemic hit. But is the market going to be better in, in a year and a half, two years from now? We hope, right? We hope. Yes. And whatever you can be doing right now, invest in yourself, do your MBA, You know, position yourself for when this thing turns around, you are going to be in a position where you can rock and roll and you can be successful. I think that's so important,
0: Al. You said it. Great. Well, Richard, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me today and for sharing all this wisdom. Uh, folks, if you're listening out there, definitely check out and follow Richard on LinkedIn. You can see all the great things that are happening at May's business school, but you can also get a glimpse at his speaker series and all these amazing speakers. And so I highly encourage you to check it out. Richard, thank you so much for coming on here. Yeah. Thanks for having me Al. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Hi everyone. LD here and thank you so much for listening to the MBA insider podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple podcasts and to write a review it will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.